Hello, and welcome to Faith Outside the Box, where we share faith journeys that take us in unexpected directions. I'm your host, Jan Engmeyer. Since he was ordained in 1984, Ken Hockenberry has served churches in the East, South, and Midwest, including co-pastoring in Louisville with his wife, Judy. He currently serves as stated clerk for the Chicago Presbytery. Ken, welcome, and tell us a little bit about your early years. Share your early faith experiences and who and what shaped you as a Christian. Jan, thank you so much for inviting me. This is uh, this is this is great. My early years, I grew up in a very small church in uh, Wharton, New Jersey. Uh, still there, still a very small. Uh, now it's a, a United Church with the Methodist Church in town, and. Um, being part of the life of a congregation has always been a part of my life. And I'm born and bred and baptized uh, within the Presbyterian Church. One of the reasons for that, it's kind of a funny little story. My, um, my grandmother, when she was a young girl, was told by her older sister, well, you know, it's, it's time for you children to start going to church. So they, they got in the car. Uh, this would have been in 19, I don't know, 1915, 1920, maybe. And my older, you know, the, the, uh, the my aunt, great aunt Alice said, well, we're going to go to the first church we see. So they come down the road where my grandmother grew up, turn right, and they're driving into Dover, New Jersey. If they had gone straight, the first church would have been a Catholic church. But for some reason, when they got to this member, they turned right. And the first church they got to was Grace Methodist Church. And so the family became Methodist and grew up Methodist. Uh, my mother was baptized in a Methodist church, but then uh, they moved, the family moved, my mom was quite young, to Wharton, New Jersey. And the closest church within walking distance was the Wharton, was then the Luxembourg uh, Wharton Presbyterian Church, United Presbyterian Church. So that's where the family went because you could walk to church. And so location, church. location, location, right? Location, exactly <laughs> right. It's always a, a factor that. So that's where I grew up. Sunday school, me and my sister, youth group, all this. A very small church, maybe 90, 100 members. Um, so not a, not a big operation, but very, very faithful, very uh, vibrant congregation. And so Sunday mornings, we're, we're going to Sunday school and worship. And then usually uh, Sunday dinner at my grandmother's house afterward. And again, right, right up the street, of course, we were driving by then, so we could drive to Nana's house. And uh, that was very much part of my uh, part of my formation growing up. Is there anyone in particular that helped shape you as a Christian during those formative years? I would say my mom. Uh, Dad wasn't much for church in those years, really, the rest of his life, not much for it. But mom was very influential. My grandmother as well, Nana, Papa. I saw my grandfather, you know, my dad didn't go to worship, so the best model I had was my my grandfather. And then my mother's brother, Uncle Bob, he uh, was, until very recently he retired, a director of music at a very large Methodist church, uh, first in West Virginia and then in Texas and Oklahoma. And mom kind of encouraged me to, you know, if you're looking for someone who loves what he does, my dad was a mechanic, really didn't like his work, but someone who loves what he does, even though he doesn't make a lot of money, the encouragement was Uncle Bob was a good kind of good role model. So I kind of followed Uncle Bob. Um, I majored in music education in college, so maybe a music teacher would be the be the way to go, uh, like Uncle Bob. But um, uh, early influences, early pastors in my life said 
some experiences in college that maybe a, the, the parish ministry as a pastor, uh, as a minister would be more with your skill set. So that's when I uh, thought to go to seminary and then you know graduated and started work as a pastor. Right. But so you were a music major to start with in college. I was, yes. Interesting. So another story there, my mother, quite an influence on me. My pastor at the time looked at my college, you know, music ed stuff. He says, oh, why are you taking all that stuff? You should take religion courses and, you know, go right to seminary after college. And my mom said, if you do that, I'm not going to support you going to college. She says, I'm not helping to pay for college for you to come out with a degree in religion. What is that <laughs> going to get you? So you better rethink that. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Mom also, I when I expressed a uh, desire to maybe be a minister as a young child, she said, oh, you don't want to do that. Everybody's critical of you. You know, if you get married and have kids, they're always, you know, on display. And you should think about something else. <laughs> but then later, of course, she was uh, very supportive. College was music ed. And it really helped me because I had the music degree. And I graduated with a degree in music ed. And that really helped, helped me with worship and uh, the church. Part of my experiences in college, I was part of a singing group called New Brace, and we would go to various churches in Western Pennsylvania and, you know, lead worship and sing, and I would read scripture and say prayers and stuff. And it was several of those experiences, people would ask me, Ken, what are you doing, you know, with your life? And I said, well, I'm majoring in music education, and I'm thinking I'll teach music. And they would say, well, have you considered, you know, a parish ministry? And I said, yeah, I'm kind of contemplating that as well. And they would encourage that in me. And that happens to you several times, you know. My pastor would say, my, you know, when I was growing up, how does God, you know, kind of God speak to us? We don't get thunderbolts or, you know, that kind of, but, you know, God primarily speaks to us through other people and, and the Bible and your own experiences, but also through other people. So it was those kind of combined experiences that led me to say, okay, yeah, God, um, you want me to maybe go, I'll, I'll, I'll pursue this instead of the, music education. And, and I, I would say I'm kind of an average musician. I mean, I like it. I enjoy it. When I did my student teaching, which is required, I would come home and say too much music. It was just was weighing on me as too much, oh. but I still enjoyed it. So music became more hobby and ad, advocation, whereas ministry became more, you know, vocation uh, for me. So you kind of switched gears from maybe wanting to be a music teacher and you somehow ended up at Princeton Theological Seminary. Yes, How did that sure happen? Did. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was interesting. So I was part of the touring choir. Went to college in Western Pennsylvania. Part of the touring choir, we would take you know tours uh, during spring break, and we would sing at various churches, stay in people's homes, you know, and we did it for a whole a whole week. Uh, one church we went to was the was Yardley Presbyterian Church in Pennsylvania, near Philadelphia, uh, not really far from where I grew up in New Jersey. And the pastor there, Steve, he had gone to Grove City and um, then later graduated, went to Princeton Seminary, became pastors, probably his second parish. He was probably in his, maybe in his late 30s, early 40s at the time. And, you know, we got talking. He said, well, Ken, are you thinking about seminary? And I said, well, maybe, you know, I'm still kind of weighing back and forth. And I was a junior at the time, so another whole year, year and a half to go. And he said, well, as it happens, you know, we have a seminary student. He's going to be with us. He's with us now. He'll be with us next year. And if you do end up going to Princeton, you know, keep in touch with me because we will need it. We might need a seminary student, you know, as a field ed student. And I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. 
<laughs> so, you know, the year goes by, junior year finishes up, senior year starts. I get a letter in the fall saying, hey, Ken, remember me? We talked a year ago, blah, blah, blah. You know, so I said, oh, wow. So that was from Steve. Said, hey, why don't you come talk with me about becoming our field education student uh, for when you're, when, if you arrive at Princeton Seminary. So that was another kind of confirmation. And sure enough, I met again with Steve. And I served there as a student assistant pastor for two years for uh, field education um, while I was at Princeton. So that That's was awesome. quite the connection story. It really is. He was a singer also, loved music, so that we had that in common. And it was, was an awesome connection, yeah. And Princeton's not a bad place to go. Princeton's not a bad place. I got to my <laughs> committee, you know, New Jersey, and I went to Grove City College, very conservative, uh, was Presbyterian, no longer affiliated. And all of my professors uh, in the religion department went to either Gordon-Conwell Seminary, and one of them really liked Fuller Seminary in California, both non-Presbyterian, but a lot of Presbyterians go there. And I get to my candidates committee in my home church, you know, Wharton, New Jersey, and they say, well, Ken, what, what seminaries are you considering? I said, well, Fuller or Gordon-Conwell. I remember the guy kind of <clears throat> cleared his throat a little bit. He said, well, just remember, Ken, we have to approve your decision. And I was like, oh boy. And then my pastor at the time said, Ken, one of the best seminaries in the world is an hour away, you know, literally down, down the street from you growing up. Why, why don't you look at Princeton? So I went looked at Princeton, loved it, had a tour, talked to the director of admissions and, and was accepted there. So that's where I went. <laughs> so how did you meet your wife, Judy? And oh, well, Judy, so I was a first-year student uh, and then a second-year student and, you know, dated a little bit. But I can remember even at college, dated different girls. And, and at one point, I remember walking to campus praying. I'm like, okay, God, if you want me to be single, fine. <laughs> I'll be single like St. Paul, but don't expect me to like it. I mean, this was literally one of my prayers. How old were you? So, you know, you're you're a man. You're... You want to date women, uh, you go to seminary. Well, there's, you know, pretty low ratio of men and women. So um, I'm there one year, I'm there a second year, nothing too much is happening on the dating department, little, but not much, you know. And then my senior year, uh, I'm actually dating this woman um, and I meet her roommate and it was Judy. And oh, you know, so... And the dating of this other girl wasn't really that serious. So I meet Judy. Um, uh, come to find out, you know, she is a very popular immediately. I remember going to the to their suite and saying, oh, where's Judy? Oh, she's out with some guy. I'm like, she just got here like, you know, an hour ago, practically out with some guy. OK, fine, fine, fine. So we started talking, became friends. I asked her out early in the fall. She says, no, let's be friends. I'm like. I hear that one more time, you know, no, fine. So we're friends, we're friends at Christmas, uh, Christmas comes and goes, we're back on campus. And I ask her out again, it was a poetry reading. Uh, it was interesting. So we're, we're in the cafeteria and that night is a poetry reading and we're not too thrilled with the, um, with the, the meal, you know, the served meal. So I get out my wallet. I had like $2 in it. She says, Oh, I said, well, let's just eat here. And then we go to the poetry reading, which was wonderful. Uh, one of our professors was really into Robert Frost. So Robert Frost became a poet Judy and I both liked. And then, you know, we went out that day and the next day and started, you know, 
as I'm bringing her flowers to her room the very next day after our first date, her roommate just bursts out laughing. I'm like, what's that about? Come to find out Judy was on a date for lunch that name, that same next day, you know, with another guy. I'm like, man, competition is tough here. But then, you know, we, 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 she decided we'll see if it works out with Ken. And I was thrilled. And so, yeah, so we, we uh, dated the rest of that year. And then I was gone. I had a call to a church in New York, in Syracuse. And uh, so we had a year of, um, before she got back to seminary that fall, I asked her to marry me. So I, I was like, I want to ask her before she shows up on campus again. <laughs> <laughs> as popular as she was, you know. So um, gave her a ring, asked her, she said yes. So we had a year engagement that was, you know, me in Syracuse, Judy in Princeton. Uh, we got married the summer of 85. Uh, and so we're together that summer. And then she had to go back to seminary. 85, 86. So we had a year engagement separate and a year, our first year of marriage was in separate locations. Oh my. Well, it worked out though. It worked out. Right. Here we are. So this year, this year we're married 39 years. Wow. Congratulations. And this year I'm ordained 40 years. Wow. So it's like, wow. Yeah. Long time. So did you and Judy share similar faith background? We did. Yes. Yeah, she grew up Presbyterian. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she did. She grew up here in, in the Chicago area, grew up in Arlington Heights. It's her home church, first first press, Arlington Heights. And so very similar uh, background, much larger church was, you know, I grew up in a small church. She grew up in a larger church. Um, she had worked in insurance for a while, but uh, felt a call to seminary, even as a young girl. But again, women going as you know, girls being ministers, and eh, you know, wasn't too supportive. Her family was uh, supportive a little bit, but other ways not so supportive. Um, and she said she had applied to seminary three times. Um, well, not, that's not quite right. She got the application in the days when you had to actually type out an application. And she got it and she put it in her desk. And a year later, she got it out, put it back in her desk. <laughs> Probably the third time she got it out, filled it in and was accepted. She told nobody in her family, comes home from her apartment one day and says, hey, um, I applied to Princeton Seminary, and I've been accepted, and I want to go, and I'd like to know if I could, you know, come back here in the summers, and her family's like, wow, so that's what she did, um, and, um, you know, grew up in the Presbyterian Church, had similar, kind of, you know, mainline progressive thinking um, from our, from our family background, so, so yeah, we, we shared that vocabulary, which is kind of fun. For 10 years, we worked together as co-pastors in a church in Louisville. Yeah, tell, we loved tell, us, tell us about that. You are co-pastors yeah. at the Beulah Presbyterian at Church. Beulah, yeah. It's interesting. Beulah is a Hebrew word, and it means married. So it's like, oh, how interesting. Perfect, right? You know, that church was started in like the 1860s, right after the Civil War. Uh, the person who named the church, um, it picked the name for the church. It was her family's property. And then, you know, 100 or so years later, here comes this married couple. So we were in Syracuse, New York, um, the church I served, Onondaga Hill. We were in the Mance, so it's literally right across the driveway was the church. Um, Judy and I are married. One baby comes along, a second, a third. And Sunday morning is kind of crazy. Uh, I go across the street. We had an early worship service because the church was growing. We needed an early service. I go over there. 
Judy then sends the two kids out for uh, Sunday school to the church I serve. The babysitter shows up to watch our youngest child while Judy gets in the car and goes to the church she is serving as a state of supply. So Sunday mornings was just crazy, you know. So I said, well, God, maybe God is telling us, you know, you want to look for something together. Then you all could go to church together. You know, wouldn't that be great? Like, like most families do, right? So I had been um, probably nine years in the parish I was serving. And uh, so we started looking and we put out our, our materials and we put on there, you know, Mary to another Presbyterian minister would very much like to consider a co-pastorate model, you know, to, to a large, little bit larger church, both serving as uh, pastors and as co-pastors. So we uh, we were contacted. Uh, first church we talked to was a church in Michigan. Um, and we weren't, you know, we, we interviewed and went there and weren't, weren't as thrilled. Then we got to the church in Louisville and we're just thrilled. We were sitting in the driveway of the church, the parking lot. And we said, okay, what do we have to do to tell this committee we really want to come work here and serve here? So we preached our candidating sermon. We each preached half a sermon, kind of how we did it and met with the committee and got a good sense over over lunch that they wanted us to they wanted us to come so they offered the call we accepted we were both about three quarters time and we really needed full time you know, come on guys we're both working we're both young we want to work so they eventually put us both the full time we were able to purchase a home in Louisville before we had been in the manse so that was wonderful um, Judy's family was able to help us there so that kind of established us, um, and we worked together for 10 years, and then Judy had an opportunity to serve with our national church uh, in Louisville, and then she later worked in a, a Presbyterian homes, a retirement community, and I just kind of stayed along. So I ended up serving at uh, Beulah for like 20, 22 years, very nearly. So when the two of you were co-pastoring, how did you negotiate the demands of the church? your marriage, and raising what you said, three children? Three children, yeah. So it was a pretty busy household. We had a rule. We didn't bring, well, we probably broke the rule a little bit. Other friends of ours who were co-pastors, that we didn't bring any church discussion stuff into our bedroom. If we had to talk about work, we would get out of bed. <laughs> we maybe did that half the time. We, we were comfortable talking about it. Um, so we decided on a rotating schedule for preaching, for example. We didn't tell anybody because, you know, Louisville, little Southern influence, they've never had a woman pastor. So we made sure she preached the first sermon. Just, you know, we never advertised who was preaching because we didn't want people. Oh, well, so-and-so's preaching. I'm not coming. So, you know, um, and in fact, we even would be a little sneaky in the worship service. Like who reads this, who prays that, you know, and you just didn't know until the person got into the pulpit to preach. We would often do two weeks preaching two weeks off preaching and then the other person had the primary pastoral care responsibility for that week and I was more the administrator um, process person Judy's very much more the ideas creative thinking you know future looking person so it worked out it worked out pretty well we each had assigned committees which was nice so if someone came to me and said blah 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 uh, nominating committee I said wait that's Judy. Or someone came to her and said, uh, uh, a worship committee, Judy said, wait, that's Ken. And so people just realized who, who to go to for what particular work. 
As far as pastoral counseling, though, many people so appreciated having a woman they could go talk with. Um, so Judy had a heavier load with the pastoral counseling um, need and, 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 and requests because that was so new for a lot of folks. They always, there was always a male minister at this church. Um, and since then, I'm glad to say they've had a couple, uh, the congregation has had a couple, one uh, temporary and one installed. She's moved on to another one now, but I've had other women in leadership there as, as pastors. So that's a good thing. Were there particular people you met at the churches that you've served who have had a profound influence on your faith? My first parish, uh, most definitely. Um, some of the very um, wise and seasoned elders there. You know, we at Christian Church, we have ruling elders who have primary responsibility for the spiritual growth of the church. Um, and I mean, I could just think of several people whose uh, uh, mentor types, who was one in, in um, one minister, older minister in, uh, in Louisville, who was very influential for us, kind of became a mentor. We would ask and we would go to him. It's interesting, you know, in those years, um, there was a lot of discussion in the church about the role of gay and lesbian people in the life of the church. So um, we would we would ask, you know, we'd have a church meeting about it, session meeting. And I would say, as the as the pastors, do you think it's important for us to say where we feel in this? And some of the seasoned ministers, oh, no, that's not your role. You shouldn't do that. Uh, you should let let the congregation and the people talk about it, and you you just try to listen to all sides. Some years later, we'd ask the same question, and some of the you know younger than those seasoned pastors, you know, still older than us, would say, no, no, it's good for you to say kind of calmly, you know, where you stand, and then it lets a little. He says it's like a steam valve, you know, on an old boiler, letting some steam off, and then people, okay, this is where. This is where Ken and Judy stands. That was great advice, you know, and it, it definitely shifted. Again, you know, keep quiet. Don't say what you really feel. But then later say it, you know, calmly, gently. Well, here's where you come down on this. So people could say, okay, there's where there's where Ken and Judy feels. Another ruling elder, I can remember very clearly how the church, again, we served in Louisville. There was a lot of kind of top-down decision-making and, you know, the pastor and a few people. Uh, some of the folks who were generous contributors kind of made some real, they made the decisions really. And and the council was kind of a rubber stamp group. I remember very early uh, in the, uh, in our session meetings there at church council, we'd come and we'd say, well, we'd, we'd like to do this. We'd like to do this baptism and blah, blah, blah. And the elders would look at each other and say, well, we, we approve that. And then after the meeting, one of our still good friend would say it was Ken, Judy, um, it feels to us like you're bringing uh, democracy uh, to a uh, to a third world country. We're like, what are you talking about? And they say, well, your predecessors didn't ask us this kind of stuff. They just did stuff and let us know. You and Judy ask. <laughs> and I'm, well, you know, we read our constitution, our book of order, and that's what we believe should happen. You know, um, instead of the pastor in charge, the pastor the pastors in our case as you know kind of co-laborers with the congregation in working what God wants us to be doing. Um, so uh, that was a particular kind of eye-opening um, and very influential on our faith that that was appreciated 
you know, the notion of, you know, shared leadership. So there's Moses, he's overwhelmed, right, in the Bible. His father-in-law says, you know, you have some others who could help you. So why don't you ask them? And so kind of the division of labor, we just thought was what the Bible teaches and what our Presbyterian church certainly teaches, uh, that that was helpful to these, um, to these congregations. Ken, thank you for letting us walk with you on your faith journey. And to our listeners, be sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform, leave us a review, and most importantly, tell your friends. Go to gcbm.org for all the links. Faith Outside the Box is a production of the Greater Chicago Broadcast Ministries, a communications ministry of the Protestant, Orthodox, and Episcopal Churches of Greater Chicago in cooperation with the Council of Religious Leaders. I'm your host, Jan Engmeyer. May peace be with you.